Hello there, fellow traveler. Welcome to American Road Trip Talk, where we introduce you to the fascinating people and places behind each edition of American Road Magazine. I'm your host, Foster Brown. Hot Springs, Arkansas has a lot to be proud of, including its salutary springs that have been refreshing folks since the beginning of our country. And it's also the site of one of America's first national parks. However, Hot Springs is also noted as the favorite hangout for the country's most notorious gangsters during the first half of the 20th century. All that is immortalized in the Gangster Museum of America in Hot Springs National Park. Director Robert Reigns will be along shortly to give you the colorful history of this exotic hole-in-the-wall for America's Most Wanted. By the way, if you like this podcast, you will want to visit us at AmericanRoad.com to preview the digital edition of our magazine. Now, here's a word about a colorful celebration going on right now in Louisiana. Louisiana wants to know, what are you passionate about? Streetcar rides, Natchitoches meat pies, a big mouth bass on the end of my line. Mardi Gras Indians, crawfish pies, art being created right before your eyes. Louisiana, pick your passion. This November, experience Louisiana art, music, food, and architecture at Louisiana Main to Main, a cultural roadshow. For a calendar of events in Louisiana Main Street communities, visit LouisianaMainToMain.org. As part of the fall 2011 edition of American Road Magazine, we had a series of gangster getaways, a clever little title, for a series of uh, places around the United States that feature gangsters in one way or another. And probably one of the best places to get a real sense of the whole gangster ethos is a place called the Gangster Museum of America. And it's located in Hot Springs, Arkansas. With me right now is the director of the Gangster Museum of America, Robert Raines. And Robert, thank you very much for joining us on American Road Trip Talk. Well, it's uh, my pleasure. A great magazine you guys got going. One of the things we have to do, first of all, is to kind of establish Hot Springs, Arkansas's place in the history of uh, the gangsters in the United States. Because Hot Springs was a hot spot for gangsters at one point in time. Well, indeed it was. And probably the reason we're here in Hot Springs with the Gangster Museum of America is this probably is the only location where almost every bank robber, every underworld figure, every Sicilian, New York, <laughs> Chicago, wherever, no, Miami, New Orleans, Tucson, Galveston, wherever they came from, they came here. And this is the only place you can talk about them where they were on their best behavior, spent a lot of money, and really didn't do what they did back home. They weren't involved in that here. They were basically here on vacation. And, of course, you know, because all of them were here, it was neutral territory. Uh Because all of them were here, I'm sure a lot of things got planned. But it was just a place they could go and uh, kind of a cosmopolitan hole in the wall. (laughs) What made Hot Springs this perfect place for these guys to get together and and not kill one another? Because in other circumstances, they were more than inclined to do that. Pretty much back in the 20s, 30s, and 40s, really until we started having an interstate system, there was one way in here and one way out. It sits in a valley. It had uh, the best thermal hot springs baths in the country, and that was a two-week prescription from doctors all over the world back before the invention of penicillin. So they could come here and and kind of get healthy, get dry, and 
turn around and get wet the next night. (laughs) (laughs) When did this all start in Hot Springs? I I understand the geography was excellent for something like that, besides having the Hot Springs there. But when was that moment that that turned it into somebody said, you know, this would be a great place for gangsters to come? Or or who was the first gangster to arrive? Well, probably it was for sure getting pretty organized in 1927 it had uh, gone back and forth with illegal gambling gambling has always been illegal in arkansas even though we've had a thoroughbred racetrack here and a, and a pretty good one here at oakland park but nevertheless gambling uh, casino gambling has always been illegal here it was never passed and probably never will be but the, but gambling was wide open from 27 on until 67 when rockefeller uh, Nelson Rockefeller's brother, Winthrop Rockefeller, was governor, intervened. Illegal gambling was wide open, and it was featured in the New York Times probably more than any other city in the New York Times other than New York itself. One bureau chief told me one time. Wow. Because, I mean, even in the 60s, they tried to hire Frank Costello, of all people, <laughs> to be their gambling czar. And he, this was in the Arkansas Gazette newspaper, and he turned them down said he just didn't really have time to move there permanently to move here permanently that he loved coming and and he loved going but you know <laughs> and he loved having dropping in on some of the big games at the southern club but yeah. that he wasn't uh, he wasn't going to run any gambling industry for any city well we, you know one of the things robert i know is that las vegas then eventually became um kind of the place that the the place where they all gathered again and matter of fact created kind of out of that dusty desert uh, railroad stop they created a little mecca for themselves there when did the switch happen well las Hustler? vegas really you know rancho deluxe and cedar gulch were two small towns out in nevada and until the hoover dam was built after the war uh-huh. uh, with a WPA project. The city known as Las Vegas really didn't have enough water to support any kind of infrastructure that would uh, be anything sure. in the model of what they have now. Yeah. So up until that point in time, this was pretty much it. Uh, ben, ben Siegel, Bugsy Siegel, had an apartment here above the Majestic Hotel. And the reason he came here Probably more so than the water was in 1931. Owen Vincent Madden moved here. He was exiled by Governor then Governor Governor Roosevelt from New York City after he got out of Sing Sing. He moved here to Hot Springs. Eventually, in 34, married the postmaster's daughter here. Mm. He lived until 1965. So he owned the Cotton Club, the Store Club. He owned the largest brewery that operated completely wide open through Prohibition <laughs> in New York City, the Phoenix Brewery. He owned New York, which is how he got his name, Oni Matt. Oh. And he moved here and never went back to New York except to uh, ask Valachi a couple of questions for uh, a Senate hearing, the Kefauver hearings that were going on. Oh, my. But other than that, he lived here and loved it here in Arkansas, took care of the city, yeah. uh, brought a lot of prosperity here. And his best friend, of course, in New York City, his best friends were Meyer Lansky, Ben Siegel, Frank Costello, oh my. Charles Lucky Luciano, Dutch Schultz, Mae West, George Raff was his driver. So that brought not only New York, but it hooked Hot Springs up with Hollywood, therefore yeah. hooking it, backtracking it to 
Las Vegas. Oh. So a lot of people left here, especially when gambling closed in 67, and directly went to Las Vegas to work, a lot of the pit bosses and yeah. a lot of the yeah. dealers. Wow. But Tony would send a lot of people, Duke Ellington, uh, you know, a lot of musicians that, that came here. He was friends with the Gershwins. The Another line. connection from New yeah. York that we had, uh, Charles Sella, who owns Oaklawn Park Racetrack, his great-grandparents started vaudeville and the American Theater Wing from oh, New York. Goodness. It's so they, you know, there was a lot of uh, performers here. Well, Robert, as you're talking, you are uh, a walking, talking encyclopedia of, <laughs> of history um, of that that era of the United States. And, you know, it's not just the gangsters, but it's also jazz, you know, art culture. Oh, well, jazz and stuff. musicians. Yeah. Every Major League Baseball team, of course, there were only nine back in the That's 30s true. and 40s, yeah. but Babe Ruth, Ty Cobb, Honus Wagner taught the Hot Springs High School basketball team how to play basketball. They had never seen it before when Honus Wagner came to town with the Boston Braves, I believe it was. He yeah. had a hoop and a ball, taught the uh, high school players, five of them, how to play, and they started playing basketball in Arkansas after Honus Wagner, the great baseball player, showed them how to do it. That is fascinating. Now, let's talk about the museum itself. We're talking with uh, Robert Raines. I have a feeling we could talk forever and and be catching up on all (laughs) sorts of American history here. But tell me about the museum itself, the Gangster Museum of America, how it came to be. I came over here uh, helping a friend move who bought a business over here on Central Avenue. And the nice thing about a, a little town like this it's a it's a valley town that is situated between two mountains on each side, east and west, and on the north end there's another mountain. So this valley sits down in here like a little Shangri-La, and all of the activity in Hot Springs back in those days took place in this one little three-mile boulevard. Wow. The bathhouses were here. They were named the Federal Reservation, and when they issued the latest National Park Quarters, the first one issued was here because this was the first property set aside by Thomas Jefferson to become a national park. It was officially named a national park as number 14, but it is recognized as the first property federalized. That's wonderful. That's fascinating. So the very first national park is Hot Springs? The very first first national park quarter was commemorated because Hot Springs National Park was the first land federalized for the activity of the public to enjoy. And that was the hot baths, you know, after the Civil War. They were all a couple of different colonels were here trying to commandeer north and south the uh, <laughs> the thermal springs and so the government stepped in and just said well we'll we'll just make this a national treasure and oh. everyone will be able to enjoy it and the bathhouses are still here they're still right across the street from the gangster museum that, and they're operating are they, they're still operating then oh, yeah. so what are some of the things that are there at the museum that people can uh, see well of course we focus mostly on uh, Oni madden we begin by telling the story of uh, leo mclaughlin the 20-year political machine that ran the town with with a uh, municipal judge, Vern Ledgewood. But everything is based pretty much around Madden because when he came here in 31, I kind of say it really got organized because mm-hmm. he was such an organizational, organizational person in New York City. You know, we have stills, we have guns, we have uh, King's Ransom whiskey, uh, $3,500 bottle of whiskey that 
uh, that belonged to uh, Frank Costello. And, you know, we, we have an antique casino in here with old slot machines that still operate. For a while here, we just gave people nickels. And, and these old machines, you could hit them a lot more often, I understand, than the new ones. <laughs> they were a bigger lure than uh, new slot machines are. But I tell you what, you... If you go back and start pulling these one-armed bandits, totally mechanical <laughs> machines, you had a pretty good right arm built up. We're talking with Robert Baines, who's the director of the Gangster Museum of America, and it sounds like a fascinating place. Tell me, uh, what's your schedule for being open for people who are coming down? We are open every day of the week until uh, we lay off Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. and we lay off Christmas, and we usually close a little early Christmas Eve, but it's become such a year-round place. We'll get a little snow sometime in January, February, and the horse races start back with their live meet January 14th. We sponsor the one of the first feature races, the Capone Classic, <laughs> the first Saturday. And by the way, you can go, folks, online to tgmoa.com, and that'll let you find out more about it. Matter of fact, you have a wonderful video there, as I said, that I watched. Uh, delightful. But you've got a lot of that kind of thing. As a matter of fact, you've got some people there who give guided tours of the place, too, right? Yeah, we do. We give guided tours. It just adds a little bit of personal touch to it. And plus, you get a different guide when you come, and you, if a lot of people come six and seven times because they just get a different guide, and they just give them a little bit different yeah. information. Everything here is authentic, and we generally tell people that when you leave here, you really could feel safe swearing to anything you have seen because <laughs> it's the absolute most accurate rendition of what went on here yeah. in Hot Springs. Uh, we wanted it to be as accurate it's, it's as a, we could, and we brought in a lot of old-timers to make sure it was up. It's a remarkable piece of American history that yeah, there really is this place where these terrible people, you know, who are, are wrecking havoc and all over the United States, were able to come together peacefully and uh, and recharge their batteries to go back That's out. That's the way and, I looked at it, and <laughs> I havoc. honestly think that was it. They, they never really had a piece of the action here. Of course, Madden did. He owned uh, on paper. He and his wife own 30% of the Southern Club. But Giancana came in here in the early 60s and wanted to get involved, and they just wouldn't. Uh, the locals just really didn't have any room oh, for him. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> other than that, it, uh, it was just a place for them to come and relax and yeah. plan their next uh, little business. And oh, my goodness. What the would... bank robbers, they'd come here, and you know the Barkers and Carpus oh, and Nash would all come here and split <laughs> up their bounty and, uh, and, and lose most of it before they left out. Now, Robert, a question that obviously stands out is, if all these bad guys were in one place, why didn't the the federal government just swoop in and gather everybody up? Well, back in those days, they didn't have the jurisdiction. Unless they crossed the street and went over on federal property, Bathhouse Row, they had no jurisdiction on this side of the street. So what we had is the national park or the federal property where the bathhouses were and then you had the casinos on the opposite side and until the late mid-60s when there was a federal law passed that made the witnessing of illegal acts of any sort by a, by a government official, someone involved in law enforcement, made them guilty of the same crime, oh. then they could no longer after that turn, that became a federal law mm-hmm. after the RICO acts and organized crime hearings so that really is what changed and i tease a lot of people especially politicians somewhere right in that same period of time is where all the gangsters start being elected into congress i think (laughs) (laughs) and now we've only got two crime families democrats and republicans (laughs) 
There's a whole lot of people who would say amen to that, Robert. <laughs> Thank you so much for a wonderful oh, trip down uh, memory lane here. Oh, right? yeah. Well, we're looking forward. You guys need to come on back and uh, enjoy a guided tour and uh, enjoy Hot Springs. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun, and it, you're immense not just here, but anywhere you walk down Central Avenue. You're walking in and around buildings that have been here since the late 1800s and 1900s, and they really haven't changed much. Well, it's a fascinating place to visit, period. Hot Springs, Arkansas. And again, folks, if you want to take a look online, it's tgmoa.com. Here's the website for the Gangster Museum of America. Robert Raines, thank you so much for being hey, very generous with your time here. It's been a delight talking to you, and we look forward to many of our folks taking Well, advantage. thank you very much, and uh, we really enjoy your magazine, too. Thank you so much, Robert. Okay. I hope you enjoyed this American Road Trip Talk. If you did, then you're the kind of person who should subscribe to the digital edition of our American Road magazine. You just go to AmericanRoadMagazine.com and click on our Preview Our Magazine tag. You'll get a nice sample of the digital layout and the opportunity to sign up for electronic delivery of our next issues. While you're on the homepage, you'll also be able to check out our blogs, trip suggestions, special deals, sweepstakes, and much more. You can even friend us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. <laughs> Till we meet again on the American Road for another Trip Talk, this is your host, Foster Brown, reminding you that the joy is in the journey.